Although ranking intelligence analysts allegedly accessed through a secure government network hundreds of thousands of sensitive and classified documents that resulted in the WikiLeaks disclosures. This event spotlights an IT security failure to protect valued information. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be joined by Eric Cole, a recognized authority on insider threats and founder of Secure Anchor, a network security consulting firm. He's also a faculty fellow at the SANS Institute. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. From an IT security perspective, what went wrong? How preventable was the WikiLeaks breach? That's a very interesting question because typically when we look at security, we always look at access control. And the idea of the insider threat is people can access information that they need to perform their jobs, but they're using it for other purposes in which it wasn't intended. And in this particular case, it's interesting because first, I can't imagine, based on the amount of information that was leaked out, that one person would need access to all of that data in order to perform their job function. So I would immediately think that there was clearly a problem in terms of controlling, managing, and limiting access within the enterprise. So while that could never be prevented, that could have been reduced greatly by better controlling and managing who can store what in which media. But the other important thing gets down to the data loss prevention controls and the classification. Based on the fact that this information was supposedly classified, you would think that if they had some monitoring in place, it would have once again either been able to be detected or prevented by very quickly, and the amount of damage would be reduced. Based on the sheer size of the leakage, makes me think that there's minimal detection and minimal outbound controls in place that could have either reduced it or greatly prevented the damage. I wonder, in such a large bureaucracy or organization as the federal government is, the responsibility of limiting people access to specific information. I mean, this is a situation that the allegations are to be believed is that you had someone in the Army getting access to State Department documents. What kind of challenge does that present in the sense of who governs who gets uh, access? That brings up the whole issue of data portability. You always hear different organizations sort of being accused of not sharing information with other government entities or other offices, but it presents an interesting problem because if you have data at one organizational unit, they can have the best access controls, they can have the best auditing, they can have the best manageability of that information, but if they allow one authorized person to be able to copy that information, they can copy it and put it on a different government entity server and now, in essence, be the owner of that data and be able to create their own access list, create their own permissions, and do whatever they want. It creates a huge problem because now, how do you go in and limit distribution without going in and prohibiting the function? And this is where a lot of this new technology is coming into play, which is can you go and view and read information without being able to actually download, save a local copy, or do anything with the data? And it brings up an interesting concept, because if you can do that, a lot of these problems and a lot of the complexity starts to go away. So the technology exists to do that. 
Some of it exists in commercial products, and some of it is how you would set up the data. But the answer is yes, with the right people, process, and technology, you could be able to put systems together that would greatly reduce the impact these types of attacks have. So when you have information like this, should there be a single owner? Well, well, ultimately, with any piece of information, you should clearly define who is responsible for the protection of that data. You should then clearly have guidelines and policies of what is required in order for somebody to get access to the information and how long should they have access to that data. In my opinion, probably one of the biggest failures in how we control and manage access is the fact that a lot of access has no expiration. If you look at just about everything else we do, your driver's license has an expiration date. Your passport has an expiration date. But when you're given access to sensitive data, it's typically infinite and there's no expiration. What if we went in and every time you were given access to sensitive data, you were only given that access for 10 days or 15 days. There was an expiration on it. And then if you still needed the information, you would then request a new approval form and have to be able to reauthorize to get access. Now what you're doing is you're shifting the burden on the user, which is where it should be, as opposed to this data owner that's too busy and too overtasked to really track and recognize whether people really do or don't need it over a long period of time. A lot of the systems developed over the past two years in government is a result of the idea that different agencies need to share information after the 9-11 attacks. Before then, everything was in silos and people didn't know what other agencies were doing. That sounds good, but then you have a problem that that we just uh, saw with the WikiLeaks. A user of information doesn't necessarily know what other agencies have, and which could be very valuable for them to do their jobs. Uh, How does this play into this whole area of gaining access to information? That could be critical, but then again, protecting it from people who shouldn't be getting it. And that's always the challenge because one of the phrases we use is anything that can be used for good and be used for evil. So on the one hand, you want the information to be accessible to a large number of people. You want high-end correlation of data, and you want high-end details to be able to be obtained. But on the other hand, you want to reduce the risk of information being leaked out. Once again, lots of different strategies where there's actually searching techniques where you can actually go in and find out information about a source without getting the details or without getting the actual document. So the idea now is instead of going in and letting somebody have full access to a 40-page document when they might only need two of the 40 pages, what if we went in and actually did a better job indexing it where now you're indexing at a more granular level you're indexing at a paragraph or a page level. So now you're not requesting documents. You're requesting sentences or paragraphs. Now all of a sudden you can get the details you need in a specific area, but the bigger risk of getting more access than what's required to do your job is reduced. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these problems that we see inside the threat and information leakage, usually what occurs, and my guess is it would be true in this situation, the person needed some of the information in the document, but not the entire document. But because most organizations don't know to hand it off in a more granular fashion, it's an all or nothing, and then they end up getting this repository with a lot more information than really is required. Will new tools need to be developed to automate this process, or can this process be automated? If you think about the idea of having to go in and index everything at a sentence or paragraph level, it's a huge amount of work. The good part is 
Most of it can be done from an automated perspective. Now, there would be some cost in terms of the warehousing of this information, but you could argue that if the information is in electronic form, whether you're storing it as a single paragraph or as an entire document, it really takes up the same amount of space. So it's really the indexing from a high-end search engine to be able to build the metadata database to be able to find and access that particular data. And I think the other important thing is we have to better control that information. Right now, today, all the information is on servers. We have strict access control list on the server, but if you can get one person to copy that data who's authorized to their laptop, all of the access controls now are completely bypassed, and they can give it out to anyone they want. What if every time you were allowing somebody to access sensitive information, they had to do it from a thin client of a virtual machine. So now anything they access could not be stored locally long term. It would have to be maintained on the server. Now they can have a profile and they can have a directory on the server where they can save their searches, but everything's stored and controlled at the server level. Nothing's put at the client level. And then all of a sudden, once again, you're taking away yet another avenue of exploitation from that user. Obviously, at some point, people will need to somehow store it. I mean, the, the President of the United States isn't going to be working on a thin client, will he? Well, I guess the question is, it depends on how transparent you make it. If you have the ability to open, view, access, store, and read information, whether it's on your local hard drive or whether it's remote across the network, that really doesn't matter. I don't think the, the President would care. It's all about, can he get access to the information when, where, and how he needs it, and if you look at all of the different communication mediums we have now between wireless, satellite, and wire networks, in almost every location, somebody's always connected to a network. Heck, we can even do it at 40,000 feet now in airplanes, be able to have full access to the Internet. So as this access anywhere continues, I think you can do it in a way where it's completely transparent to the person, and they just are not storing anything on a local portable media that has a greater risk of exposure and compromise. Any other takeaways you'd like to share? Probably the big takeaway is, and I know when I say it, it sounds obvious, but we're amazed at how many organizations can't answer these simple questions. If you really want to have good security, we have to remember that especially with dealing with the insider threat, it's not about firewalls, IDSs, or technology. What it all comes down to is your data. So I would urge you, can you answer three questions? What is your critical data? What business processes utilize that critical data? And on what servers does that critical data reside? If you can't answer those fundamental questions, how are you going to be able to manage, control, and implement access control, authentication, and the other protection measures that are required long term? So we have to make sure we focus on the basics before we start dealing with the complex issues. Do you think people learned the lesson of the WikiLeaks, or do you think this is going to be a struggle for many organizations in the years to come? I definitely think some folks have learned the lesson, but unfortunately, in a lot of cases, there's a small percent of people who, when they see harm to others, they don't want the harm to them, and they will learn from that activity. However, a large percent of folks we found, until they personally suffer pain, they don't think it's something that can happen to them. So, unfortunately, I think there'll be a large percent of folks who will look at that, shake their head, say, how could this have happened, and then in the next sentence say, but this can't happen to us. And I think what everyone needs to realize is it absolutely, positively can happen to you. 
And the question I would ask is, if there was somebody in your organization who was accessing information or more information than they should, if they were putting it on USB or other mechanisms and leaking it out of your organization, how would you know? And if the answer is you wouldn't, then you have to realize that you could have just put your name instead of the government, and the whole WikiLinks thing can now be focused on your organization and all the issues you have. Thank you, Eric. You're very welcome. I've been speaking with Eric Cole of Secure Anchor and the SANS Institute. I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.